Hello and welcome to Young Nostalgia, the podcast for the young at heart and with a passion for the past. Thanks so much for sticking with us. Um, ben and I were plagued a little bit last week, so we had to take a week off. We're back <laughs> coming full force, bringing you a brand new series to Young Nostalgia called Then and Now, and this episode is volume one. So what we'll be doing is talking about um, influential actors, musicians, politicians, anyone in between that was huge back then, um, what made them big back then, and what they're doing now um, in terms of either philanthropy, um, their careers, or just what they do in their downtime, um, something that makes them feel human, just like us. Um, yeah, so we're all human, I guess. Anyway, subscribe, rate, and share <laughs> on iTunes, Google Play, um, and we are now on Stitcher. That's S-T-I-T-C-H-E-R. Listen anytime, anywhere. Create your own custom playlist of all the podcasts you enjoy, especially Young Nostalgia, and there's over 20,000 shows to discover. The free app is available for iOS and Android, and please download and rate and share on every place that you listen to Young Nostalgia. Without any further ado, let's get going. How you doing, Ben? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing, Nolan? Living the dream, or at least trying to. Anyway, <laughs> let's get started. So um, we pinpointed three influential people from back then and talking about now. Um, and then the first one coming across is Steven Spielberg, which I believe anybody who um, is a movie buff or just enjoys entertainment I feel like he's a household name. Yeah. Um, so Hollywood's best-known director and one of the wealthiest filmmakers in the world. Um, he's valued over $3.7 billion. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Um, oh I don't even know what to do with that money. Um, we need some more toilet paper, so I guess we could just buy a whole bunch of that. Anyway, he was born on <laughs> December 18th, 1946. Um, and then he began his film film enthusiasm in 1957 with um kind of like a b b um b movie like wagon trail and he was the assistant editor and really kind of sparked um his interest but his big break into the film's um industry was jaws in 1975 which he found his first industry success so i guess we should just put a stop on it right now (laughs) what do you think about jaws um i've seen it a couple times it's been quite a while since i've seen it last um, I think it's a great movie. The sequels were terrible, as most sequels. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it's a good, it's a good one. It's one of those movies where it, it's, it's not like uh, Star Wars or anything like that. Where I, you know, I just feel the need to. I need some Star Wars in my life right now. You know, it, it, Jaws isn't like that for me, but uh, I, do, I do enjoy it. I watch it when it's on TV. Um, I think I've rented it once or twice, and it's, it, it's, it's a pretty good movie. Got a lot of quotes that you know. People are always throwing out quotes and stuff for Jaws, and it's it's a good movie. What do you think? Um, I I thoroughly enjoy it. Uh, you know, I, I feel the same way you do. Where it's not one of those things where I'm sitting down on the couch and be like, man, I want to watch Jaws. But it's definitely like a cult classic um, in terms of the new kind of filming and, and aspect of film that Jaws brought um, to the sense of horror, kind of I guess, or suspense. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I know we've talked in the past about how Indiana Jones kind of spurred on that whole <laughs> people wanted to become like archaeologists. Jaws yeah. really had a whole movement with it where like people were terrified <laughs> of the ocean because who the hell oh, knows yeah. what's out there. Yeah, there's uh, I think uh, shark sightings bumped up right around that time. Uh, the beaches uh, had really, really low attendance levels. Um, and it mm-hmm. kind of really scared people about going in the water. 
Yeah, yeah, and then, and then uh, even just the the theme itself um, <laughs> of like, yeah. yeah, you know how it goes. Dun dun. Um, <laughs> dun 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 dun. Uh, <laughs> up next is Indiana Jones in 1981. So we've talked at length a little bit about Indiana Jones, um, and, and it's been a huge influential character in the film industry, um, especially one of our faves, Harrison Ford. Can never forget him. Oh um, yeah, and great I and mean, everything. It's just just a cult classic and. Um, I feel like, you know, the the second Indiana Jones, you know, kind of lost the speciality of it. Third one brought it back again. Um but just the unique outrageous humor or or um kind of I don't even know how to say it. Like when you watch an Indiana Jones movie, it's it's almost outrageous the kind of stunts and how Indiana oh, always yeah. gets out of things, you know yeah. what I mean? I I like Indiana Jones. They're, I mean, just movies themselves, they're they're really good, especially the original like you talked about. And but I like them because they do. I, I like. <laughs> now I'm gonna have to explain what I'm about to say a little bit. Like the, the <laughs> historical society side of them, like I, they're extremely loosely based on history, of course. Um, but I like that it, it's kind of taking some of the stuff they talk about is like myth, mythological kind of stuff, um, legend, that sort of thing, and they kind of turn it into a reality in the movie, and they make it fit. Um, they make it fit really well, and. And like you said, I mean, it's Harrison Ford, and it can't be bad. So, um, but I kind of, I do yeah. kind of like the the historical side of it. You know how, no matter how outlandish, you know, they might make it on 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 the screen, but uh, you know, it's still kind of rooted in mythology and legend and that sort of thing, which I found I find pretty interesting. Yeah, and I think it's always an interesting take on the whole. Um like hero aspect where you see Indiana has two different parts to him. You know, he's the professor, like the history <laughs> professor, and then he's also Indiana Jones. Um, so it's always interesting to see the, the change of character. Um, yeah. Yeah. Within you the see movie. in the scenes in the classroom, you know, there's people falling asleep and bored out of their <laughs> minds and that sort of thing. And then he's, you know, 10 minutes later, he's, you know, off fighting Nazis or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it's such a good, it, it, um, they're very, very opposing characters out of the same individual Mm -hmm. and then from here um this is really where like spielberg starts building his name is really in the 80s um in the 90s was when he was big so et came out a year later 1982 um i mean that's a classic too and i was kind of reading up on spielberg and they were kind of pinpointing um like actors and actresses that they really like to have in the movies and harrison ford is (laughs) is very much a reoccurring role within his <laughs> movies because he was an et yeah. as well as a professor i believe oh wow i'm gonna have to watch that i don't remember that yeah. at all it was kind of like a cameo small little scene i believe but he was in there as like a um as like a teacher or like a professor i think kind of hmm. playing a spoof off of indiana jones um yeah do you have do you have anything else for et <laughs> uh no i i think that uh i don't think there's anyone alive really who hasn't at least seen et once Mm-hmm. We're seeing spoof photographs of them on the bicycle. Oh yeah, yeah, it's all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> um, another cult classic too, which is kind of I feel like building a little bit on the way of um, a, new, a new way of bringing excitement and suspense to um, the entertainment industry was Jurassic Park in 1991. Um, I always think dinosaurs are super interesting and super cool, and this is an interesting take on how to bring it to real life. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm not a huge Jurassic Park fan. Um, I do, you know, growing up, I 
like every kid loved dinosaurs and all that stuff. Um, but I just, I, I, I understand that they're good movies, they're popular movies, but for whatever reason, I just can't get into them. I've seen them, and it's one of those movies where, okay, I've seen it once, now I don't really ever need to see it again. No. <laughs> but, I mean, I do recognize that it is extremely popular, and they just had, they came out with one, was it a couple years ago? Four or five years ago, maybe? A new one? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jurassic World. It had Chris Pratt. Yeah, yeah, and so, I mean, it's still a... Uh, there, it's it's still a franchise that's that's popular and still making money, um, but myself, I never could really get into it, unfortunately. Yeah, understandable. Um, mm-hmm. I I love them personally, um, and I if if I can remember right, I think Spielberg is like an executive producer or some type of pr- producer for the newest Jurassic Park. Oh, really? Um, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Um, okay, so mo- moving on. Um, another big thing of Spielberg is the. Um, connection to history he loves history um, and kind of recreating a new look into history through his his filmmaking so saving private ryan in 1999 excuse me was something that really touched the hearts um, of americans in the way that um you know looking at world war ii in in, in a different way and how gritty and what hell on earth really is yeah i mean that was that that's a great movie i really enjoyed it um it's it was extremely graphic, but it's not a graphic like a, a horror movie or anything like that, where it's just blood and gore for the sake of blood and gore. It was, it was trying to depict, you know, the the hell that war was, and it it, it did a uh, tremendous job of you know trying to put the viewer in the place like right there on the beach, you know, and and uh, you especially you know listening to it with a any sort of decent sound system on a TV. I mean, you can hear the bullets whizzing past, and it, it was it really kind of puts you there, you know, inside mm-hmm. the movie. And it was it, it was it was kind of an amazing uh, amazing feat that 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 uh, they were able to do that so efficiently. Yeah, I agree, and especially making it so impactful for having that invasion of D Day on Omaha Beach, like within the first ten minutes of the film. Oh yeah, so you I think were put that's... in right in the action in the minute, like the minute you start watching. Oh yeah, I mean it's nearly immediately. Exactly, and this kind of sparked in collaboration between Spielberg and Tom Hanks as well when it comes to World War II, because um, in the early 2000s they also worked together um, to create the HBO miniseries of Band of Brothers, mm-hmm. and they were both like producers of those, um, so they kind of went the direction of um, adding more stories and depth to what World War II was. Okay, so right. jumping to now, what um, this series is all about, that was then, now, I guess is now. So catch me if you can <laughs> in, the, in 2002. Um, and this was a Leonardo DiCaprio. And a few years back, I actually seen this movie. I don't know if you have. I have not. But it's actually, it's really, really good. It's based on a true story here in the States where um, Leonardo DiCaprio is kind of like the protagonist slash antagonist. <laughs> but he was like... An identity thief, but he would, you know, you know, take steal identities and keep on evading authorities. When they finally caught them, caught him in an airport, he actually was offered a plea bargain and free of of prison time if he worked for a national security agency to be able to debunk identity thieves in the U.S. Oh, okay, to like catch people like him. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Since he was the best at the time. Right. And this movie just kind of follows that whole um, that whole storyline, and I would definitely recommend it. Super good. Hmm. Um, I'll have to put that on the list. And then, yes, 
Yes. And then they, he did, Spielberg um, directed the film al- al- adaptation of War of the Worlds in 2005 with Tom Cruise. Um, I still prefer definitely the radio show over the film just <laughs> yeah, because of the, I, the element of surprise. I agree. And I believe War of the Worlds, that wasn't the first adaptation um, to film. I, there was an There's an older movie, um, and don't ask me who was in it or what year it was, but... I believe that's. I believe it's, it's basically the 2005 uh, Spielberg movie was a remake of the of the original movie, um, and I can't really. I think I've seen parts of the old one. I have seen none of the new one, so I can't really comment okay. on <laughs> either of them. <laughs> I've seen I've seen the new one. I haven't mm-hmm. seen the old one, but yeah, I would, I would yeah, say the new the new one just basically is is at the bare minimum entertaining, but nothing to really be ooh and an eye and on about that's for sure yeah um and then a couple more is um the movie lincoln in its 2012 adaptation of lincoln's i guess quote-unquote biography where he kind of goes through um lincoln's life as as mm-hmm. the president um it's super good i, I haven't know if you've gotten the chance to watch this one but uh, once definitely again one, i have not <laughs> <laughs> one for the books um super just interesting and, and in-depth and, and just re- really something to always like come back to a few years, a few years later to, um, you know, celebrate the life of Lincoln and, and, and the way he led America through that time. Right. And then the last one we have on our list is Bridge of Spies for 2015. Again, more history oriented with Tom Hanks. And this was actually based on a Cold War spy swap between the Russian Soviets and the U.S. because the Soviets actually, um, this is when they captured the... You know the, the the surveillance plane that crashed over the Soviet Union, and oh, they captured yeah, yeah, the pilot. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, and then in the U.S., we captured a Soviet spy, and so this was how Tom Hanks, a attorney for the spy in the U.S., actually went and negotiated in the Soviet Union to be able to trade over um, the spy for our pilot when Soviet Union was occupying Germany. Mm-hmm. Super good movie as well. <laughs> Sorry, kind of long, long explanation. Um, but yep, once again, I have not seen it, but it, that one has been on my list to watch. I just can't, I just keep forgetting to watch it. To be honest, um, I thought it looked really good, and from what you said, I mean, I definitely want to watch it. Oh, it's so now. good! It kind of grips you throughout the entire, um, the entire thing, and it's almost like an embodiment of the Cold War because right when they come to the, to the trade-off, the tension, you can just cut it in thin air. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, obviously, I, I won't talk about it anymore. Anyway, so more <laughs> just about Spielberg. Um, so he re- actually reconnected with his religious roots of Judaism when he filmed Schindler's List in 1993. And this had Liam Neeson. It was kind of basically following a leader of a Holocaust um, like prison, like an encampment and his mm-hmm. change while he was leading the encampment. Um, this this one's on my list, and it's been on my list for a long time, and I feel really bad having not seen it. I don't know. Have you gotten the chance to? I've to watch seen this? parts of it. Um, I've never sat down and watched the whole thing. I've like I've I've caught it. I think I've seen it on TV or something like that. You know, where you come in and you see a clip, and I'm like, oh, I don't really want to get into a movie right now, and mm. I mean that that kind of thing. I it's just like you. I've been meaning to watch it, just haven't. It's definitely a very, very heavy movie to watch. I guess. Oh you could yeah. Say. Yeah. Um, but that got kind of got him back into his um, religious and family roots in Judaism, um, and as well as the passion that his wife Kate Capshaw really brought to his relationship. Um, they were kind of talking about his history in Judaism, and she was very, 
you know, intimate and passionate about the idea of, of getting back to his roots with him. Mm-hmm. And so in 2014, Forbes named Spielberg the most influential celebrity in America, which I can actually honestly see this based on his um, resume of movies that he's written and how it's moved the American public in certain ways with World War II um, and, you know, Americans past with Lincoln, Bridge of Spies, that good stuff as well. And then a couple more side notes. He's an actually avid movie buff and video gamer. So he collects Hollywood artifacts, and he also watches multiple films a weekend and attempts to see major blockbusters in theaters as much as he possibly can. So whenever you're around, I think he lives in California, when um, the next Avengers comes out, uh, you might be able to see Spielberg there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's that's got to be interesting going to see movies that you know you had nothing to do with but looking at it in the perspective of a director especially um you know a director like spielberg who has so many uh so many huge movies under his belt i know that's got to be kind of looking at a movie a different viewpoint you you know you probably can't it's probably be difficult to watch a movie just for the movie and you Mm -hmm. i'm sure you'd be constantly picking it apart and looking at you know why the director choose to do it this way over this way and um, almost reading too much into it when you watch it <laughs> yeah yeah you're almost <laughs> watching what the director's doing to make the movie rather than the movie itself you know does that make sense yeah yeah totally <laughs> get it <laughs> all right take it away big guy all right we're gonna move on to jerry lewis now um <clears throat> and as many of you hopefully most of you know uh jerry lewis just passed away uh late last month um, but we thought we'd put him in here anyway because of uh, because you know because of his large career and and uh, how big he was in the in media. He was a American comedian, actor, singer, producer, director, screenwriter, and humanitarian, which is a pretty long resume. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he had he had quite a while to to build that up. Uh, he was born March sixteenth, nineteen twenty six, and he died August twentieth, two thousand seventeen. So he had qu- more than enough time to 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 do all that stuff. <laughs> um, he was known for his slapstick humor in film. Uh, television, stage, and radio, um, which is, that's quite a feat to be able to, you know, pull off slapstick humor on radio. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting how many hats he wore because oh, you yeah. know, it, it might be easier to deliver, you know, his style through film and television and then a completely different skill set to be able to deliver it on stage and radio because mm-hmm. on radio, you know, it's just, it's just the voice, it's just audio. Right, and... You know, I, I've <clears throat> I've thought about it before, and you look at back at old actors, singers. You know, we've done shows and we've talked about the Rat Pack, and that seemed to be like such a common thing is to be, a, you know, a jack of all trades, and you know, to really make it, you had to be able to do multiple things. You had to be able to act, you had to be able to sing, you had to be able to uh, dance. You know, it was kind of a big three things that you you had to have to be successful, and now. Now you look at a, a huge portion of actors, you know, if they have to, if there's a singing part in a movie, it seems like half the time they have, you know, someone else's voice uh dubbed in. Yeah. You know, like yeah. no one yeah. no one can really do everything anymore. There's there's exceptions of course, but I don't know, I think that that was always great how, you know, old performers, you know, you, you they just had to be able to do it all and that's one of the reasons why they were so big is because they could do it all and they could do it all well 
Mm-hmm. And, it, and it all overlaps sometime down the line in their career, which is interesting. Oh, yeah. It's not like they did, you know, one, okay, now they're this, they're just going to act in this movie, and then they're going to do a show just for their dancing, or they're going to do a show just for their singing. They Half the time, they do it all in once. They've, they're in a movie where they got to sing and dance with somebody, or they're on the variety show or something, you know, <laughs> and you got to sing and dance or something like that. And it was... It was. It seemed like it was more of a, uh, more of a refined art back then. All right, getting back right. into Lewis. Yeah, yeah, we kind of we kind of uh, strayed quite a bit there. All right, so notable acts then. Um, from 1946 to 1956, he and Dean Martin's were partners, um, as the hit popular comedy duo Martin and Lewis, and that's, uh, that was kind of where. It, it's it started for the most part, and we've we've talked about it, you know, months ago in in previous shows. We've Jerry Lewis's name had been sprinkled in there a little bit, just being involved with uh, Dean Martin. Then he had quite a bit of influence on the the whole Rat Pack as well. Um, mm-hmm. And this is this is really where he got his start. Um, is working with Dean Martin, as well as that. Kind of moving on from that partnership with Dean Martin, he went on to. Uh, solo star in motion pictures uh he also did nightclub shows um a variety of television shows he had his own concerts concerts um put out his own recordings and also performed in his fair share of musicals which that just kind of goes back to um being able to do everything i mean there's in that that in that list of his solo uh career i mean there's there's so many skills that you need to have to to you know, be able to move from a nightclub to a television show to album recording, um, and that just shows that kind of having a a resume like that kind of shows how universal uh, your skills and ability are. Yeah, and then he always his, his key thing was the slapstick hum, humor. Um, and, oh yeah. And when when you think Jerry Lewis, you see Jerry Lewis. Um, that's the one thing you're looking forward to is his interesting take on um you know his own life what's going on in the world and the way he just delivers it through multimedia platforms in a really interesting and funny way mm-hmm. um something that is definitely going to be reminisced and missed about Jerry Lewis right and and that kind of carries over even to interviews that I've seen and listened to i mean he's he's it's not so much slapstick of course but i tell you what those reporters who if you're interviewing Jerry Lewis, you had to be on the top of your game because, <laughs> you know, he. if you're faltering or anything, he'll pick up on it and he'll roast you. <laughs> <laughs> Dean Martin's roast right there. <laughs> All right, so we'll move on to, you know, kind of later in his, I wouldn't really say it, career, kind of after his uh, performing career. Um, he served as a national chairman of the Muscular Dystrophy Association and hosted the uh, the very, very well-known Labor Day weekend uh, broadcast of the Jerry Lewis MDA Telethon. Um, he, and he did that for 45 years. and that That's amazing. And that grew into something where people, I mean, it, it just became, you know, it might have started off as, you know, a kind of a new, a new uh, uh, production. And, and it was kind of a, uh, not really a surprise, but it wasn't routine, really, and and then it continued every every year for forty five years, and it became one of the huge, huge um, humanitarian. Uh, I I can't think of the 
I'm, I'm really struggling for words here. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I like just humanitarian um, ways of supporting and, and spreading, yes, yes, yes. spreading the the um, the knowledge and, and the awareness, the knowledge spreading and the raising, of, oh, spreading of awareness, NBA. raising money. That was huge. I mean, I I don't have the stat on how much money they raised um, over the course of 45 years, but I, it was just enormous. And it was one of the, the big heavy hitters for, uh, you know, productions to, to support a, a cause like muscular dystrophy. Um, and then moving on, uh, he received several awards for his lifetime achievement from the American comedy awards, um, the Los Angeles film critics association, the Venice film festival and the Academy of motion picture arts and sciences. And in addition to that, he was also honored with two stars on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. I mean, I don't even know if we really have to say too much because all of those things kind of speak for themselves <laughs> on who Jerry Lewis was and what he did. Yeah, um, for for you know entertainment. Yeah, and that kind of shows that you know not only was he he very good at what he did, and he was a you know a huge humanitarian. Um, it, it shows that it, it went that his work didn't go unnoticed. Um, you know, all the awards he won, it was definitely well recognized, um, what he accomplished in his life. Definitely. Something yeah. we'll always remember something. Somebody will always remember. Um, all right. So wrapping up the show, we're coming, um, chasing through the last few minutes, uh, here on the first then and now. So Paul McCartney, is going to wrap us up born on, on the 18th of June in 1942. Um, I mean, I'm sure a lot of our listeners and everyone out there has heard of Paul McCartney, if not the Beatles. So he was an English <laughs> singer-songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, multi, um, and composer. Um, he gained worldwide fame as the bass guitarist and one of the lead singers for the rock band The Beatles, widely considered the most popular popular and influential group in the history of pop music. I know um, our second episode of Young Nostalgia, we talked about the British Invasion and the, Be- the Beatles, were definitely a staple in that episode. So notable acts then, kind of going down a laundry list real quick, because uh, you can speak hours upon um, Paul McCartney. But oh yeah, <laughs> this just is have... a, a very <laughs> condensed list of everything he did, and it's it's still not even a fraction of all his accomplishments. At the age of 15, McCartney met Lennon and his band, the Quarrymen, at the St. Peter's Church Hall. Um, Fate in Wulton on 6th of July, 1957. And that's kind of where it all begins. Now, uh, began, begins. <laughs> I'm struggling <laughs> to actually say words. Um, oh, you and me so both, The Quarrymen, <laughs> I think, uh, had a different aspect of style than the Beatles because isn't that what they wore? Like the leather jackets, kind of raggedy, playing in um, some type of nightclub bars. Yeah, yeah. And they played kind of a weird mixture of, of everything. Um there was there was some jazz and blues influences with, along with you know some folk in there too and it was just kind of a a weird combination of different genres that they kind of all meshed into one exactly and i think i mean it just obviously just builds a foundation for what is to come with the beatles um so they recorded professionally for the first time in hamburg credited as beat brothers as the backing band for english singer tony sheridan on the single my bonnie um, can't really say too much about that because I don't really know anything <laughs> of any of that. Do, do, you, do you? I am not really familiar with that as well, unfortunately. <laughs> anyway, interesting fact. So when you guys go out to trivia tomorrow night um, or whenever you go out to trivia, you can remember the Beat Brothers 
as a backing band for English singer Tony Sheridan for My Bonnie. Is that like, um, bring back, bring back, oh, bring back my Bonnie to me? I'm, gu- uh, I'm guessing it's not. Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> oh, you know. In, uh, in addition to that, uh, we kind of skipped over on accident. Um, uh, when Lennon and McCartney uh, played for the Quarrymen, uh, soon after McCartney joined, uh, George Harrison was uh, brought in as well, and so they're actually you know three of the Beatles in that Quarrymen for a while. Oh, okay. And okay, then thanks, went into man. went in with uh, the Beat Brothers. Okay. Thank you. Perfect. And then later comes Pete Best, and then they replace them with Ringo Starr before they um, come over to the States, and then that's a whole other story as well. Oh, yeah. So after the Beatles broke up in 1970, McCartney continued his musical career um, for his first solo release, McCartney, a U.S. number one album. And then later that year, ex-Moody Blues guitarist Denny Lane joined the McCartneys and Denny Sewell to form the band Wings, which now he tours with, and actually they mm-hmm. came to Omaha, Nebraska, um, just a couple months ago. Unfortunately, wasn't able to get tickets, but I heard the show was fantastic. Anyway, oh, I'm sure it would be. <laughs> always <laughs> is. I mean, the guy is like what seventy some, and he's still killing it. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know exactly how old he is, but he's you know he's uh, he's older than most people stop touring. <laughs> yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And um, still more attractive than both of us. <laughs> Eh, well, I don't know about that. He's got that British accent. Anyway, go oh, on. Oh, jeez. Ah, British accent. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So looking into notable acts and achievements now. Um, in 2010, McCartney opened the Console Energy Center in Pittsburgh, uh, Pennsylvania, which is kind of uh, turned into a, a large hall of uh, just kind of media media performances, um, just a kind of encompassing the, uh, performing arts, uh, scene, you know, there was performances there. Um, uh, and it was kind of a, a, a donation of sorts where he could, you know, this area needed something to, there wasn't really any of that culture in the area. And he, 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 he saw the need for that. And then, you know, he, he had the funds to, to get it kicked off. Um, and then later on in July 2011, uh, he played two sold-out concerts in the New York Yankees uh, stadium, which, I mean, 2011, that was, you know, mm, six years ago, but, uh, and he was, six years ago, he was still getting up there in age and sold-out concerts, which is huge. Yes. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's to be that, you know, to have that long of a career, um, with multiple bands and solo and all that sort of thing, um, and then to have to still be getting sold out concerts, which is pretty impressive. <laughs> Definitely. Um, later that year, in September of 2011, um, having been commissioned by the New York City Ballet, McCartney released his first score for dance, his first ever score for dance, um, a collaboration with Peter Martin's called "Ocean's Kingdom." Wow, and I mean that just I, kind of shows his passion for music and, and his skill to be able to, um, you know, write a different style of music than what he has been in the past. Oh yeah, yeah, and and you know, not only do you have to take into account it's a whole new genre, but it, you know, he might write the score, but then it has to be something that someone can later on, you know, turn into a uh, can choreograph, you know, 
uh, dance along to it, which, um, you know, not, not everyone can do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As for Ocean's Kingdom, I'm really am not familiar with that at all, are you? <laughs> no, sir. Okay, nothing to input on that. On February on the 15th of February 2015, McCartney appeared and performed with Paul Simon for the Saturday Night Live 40th anniversary special. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. Um, I mean, Saturday Night Live could probably be a topic for a whole other show. Very true. But, that's a good but, idea. Uh, you know, part uh, McCartney and Simon together. Um, I mean, that's got to be a that's got to be a phenomenal show. So, uh, bringing up the rear, um, we have he he was he's well known as being vegetarian. Um, he's an animal rights activist. Uh, he's part of the uh, anti landmines association, and he's. Uh, kind of spearheaded a movement um with adopt a minefield which uh is a group that uh it, they work towards cleaning up minefields from uh old wars and making it safe for um farmland and that sort of thing um he's also part of uh does a lot of work with make poverty history which uh tries to um help people below living below the poverty line um help them get through life and you know raise himself up um he is also part of a group called Artists Against Fracking and Save the Arctic. Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I, <laughs> I, I enjoy just knowing that, um, you know, he's a passion of many interests and able, like, to advocate for what he wants. And a lot of it, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of it is a lot to do with, um, you know, just the natural land that we live on. Mm-hmm. Um, I, like, I think the anti-land mines and adopted oh, minefield yeah. is, is really cool. And who even knew this kind of thing existed to be able to go and adopt a minefield, just like adopt a highway, mm-hmm. and then clear it up for us to be able to safely use the land for mm-hmm. purposes of, you know, helping everyone out. And same with Make Poverty History, um, something, honestly, I think everyone should do, especially people of, you know, influential stature so yeah super, people who super. have the the time and the and the resources to uh do that sort of thing definitely awesome so that rounds up our first volume of then and now with steven spielberg jerry lewis and paul mccartney i think it was a beautiful um kickoff to this new series of young nostalgia and we thank you all for tuning in and listening us um listening with us well <laughs> listening to us and enjoying our passion as well um <laughs> Oh my gosh! It's it's it's. We had a week off, so we're getting back into oh, it anyway. That's all right. I'm struggling with words today too. <laughs> Please um, subscribe, rate, and share. You'll find us on iTunes, Google Play, as well as Stitcher. We've submitted our feed to Spotify, but we haven't heard anything yet. So fingers crossed that that comes um, comes accepted and helping us out to grow. Um, young nostalgia with people that enjoy it just as much as you guys so find us on our podbean page youngnostalgia.podbean.com you'll find all of our rss feeds and shows on there you also find our banners for facebook and twitter follow those give us a like give us a tweet um, see what's going on and keep up to date um so we're a little bit behind but september is still here so next week next tuesday we're coming out with this month in history for september so we're glad to be back at it and bringing you one of our fave episodes as well so anything else big guy nope that covers it all i think all right i'm nolan and on behalf of ben 
Thanks for listening to Young Nostalgia. And as we always say, keep the bottles empty and the ashtrays full. Take care, everybody. <laughs>